Well, Jesus Christ, you are, you have all authority. You are completely holy and righteous and awesome. You have perfection perfected. And you are the head of this church right now. And we take a knee before you and declare that you are God and we are not. We declare that you have given us your word, not as some take it or leave it thing, but as the authoritative word of God himself, our creator, our sustainer, the one who calls the heavenly host out by name and every star is held in place by Jesus Christ and not one of them is missing. That's, that is awesome. And we declare you, Christ alone, are awesome. And we pray that we would humble ourselves under the authority of your word right now. Jesus Christ, say what you want to say. Find a people that are willing to say, yes, Lord, speak to me. I'm not gonna walk out of here in pride and take it or leave it, whatever. This is your word and you are the king. And I will either bow now or I will bow when I see you face to face. And God, I pray in Christ's name that we would willingly take the knee right now in our hearts. So whatever distractions, whatever anxiety that we could choose to cast those on you because you care for us. Lord, I pray for these precious children. God, I pray that they would have hearts stirred with affection for Jesus. I pray, God, you would give their leaders boldness and faith and intentionality and a passion for the gospel, and you would save kids' lives today because you can do that. And so, Lord, have your way in this place. Guard my mouth from error. Say what you want to say to your people. In Jesus' name, church, if you agree, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Hey guys, love you so much. You guys have a great Hope Kids class today, okay? Thanks for being here, guys. Love ya. Love you tons. All right, well, let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word in front of you right now, put your hand up because our ushers are coming forward with Bibles. And we want to put one in your lap so you can continue to follow along verse by verse, line by line, for these six verses. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And it's on page 569, 569 in the Bibles that we are handing out. Well, this is the second last message in our first series of the year called Discovering Hope. And the purpose of this series, so right that we kicked the year off with it, the purpose of this series was to give a biblical portrait of the church that is alive and walking in Christ. It is the church that Christ promises to manifest his presence in and give his blessing towards and build up for his glory. And so, I don't know if you remember, if you were here for the very first message of this series, we did it on Matthew 28, 18 to 20 on the Great Commission. And the mission of the church that Christ has given, the one mission of the church is to make disciples. You see it on the screen here. We heard it with our baptisms this morning. And Jesus came and said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. By who? The Father. God the Father, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, look at this promise. This is a doozy. I am with you always to the end of the age. 
And what we clearly see here from Christ's commission to his church, this is what the church must be about. And what we clearly see is this, that a church alive in Christ will be intentional in making disciples of Christ. A church that is alive in Christ will be intentional in making disciples of Christ, purposeful disciple-making. But let's make sure we're on the same page. We touched on it in our baptisms today. Let's circle back. What is a disciple? You'll see it on the screen. A disciple, the Greek word for disciple, is one who progressively learns the word of God. Notice this. You never reach your knowledge of God's ceiling. Okay? Progressively learns the word of God and is increasingly obedient to the lifestyle it requires by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so why is it so important that of all the missions Christ could have given his church, he says to make disciples? Why is it so important? Well, we see it right here. Because when disciples are made through Christ, the church is built up in Christ. When disciples are made through Christ, the church is built up in Christ. And Jesus said, I will build my church. That's what he's talking about. We'll hear that next week. But as you see that, there's a problem as you look around the landscape today of the church. And it is this. Increasing numbers of churches are being built up in the ways of the world and not the ways of Christ. The word of man is building up increasing numbers of churches instead of the word of God. Why? Why is that? Even even some of them started so well, but now they're off track. Why is that? Because they're not intentional about making disciples. Somewhere along the way, it's been skewed. And the result is, you say, well, what's the result? What's so bad about maybe going off track on this? Ongoing division, unhealthy or unresolved conflict in the church, false teaching coming into the church undetected or unaddressed, which is deceiving people and leading them to hell. Biblical illiteracy, doctrinal instability, serving of self rather than serving the body, and pretty soon, it doesn't take long, You have a church that looks more like the world than it does like Christ and ultimately leads to its destruction and the destruction of the lives therein. Making disciples is a big deal to Christ. So we have to ask the question, what does Christ say it looks like when a church is being built up in him through intentional discipleship making? And right here in our text, love it, God is so clear. We see two truths we must hold fast to. If we are to be a church that endures faithfully across the generations by being built up in Christ through seeing disciples made for his glory. Let's jump in. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word as we read it together. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. 
Rather, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Hear the word of the Lord, loved ones. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, the first thing we see from these first two verses, 11 and 12, is this. That a church of intentional disciple-making, truth number one, equips for the work of Christ, body training. Equips for the work of Christ. What do we call this? Body training. And the question that you and I are confronted with from God's word in these first two verses is this. A disciple of Christ works for Christ. Am I using my equipping? Am I using my equipping? Let's get some context here. It's 60 to 62 AD, first century. Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus is in modern Turkey. So you see it there on the coast. But the church is facing an imminent danger. It is plagued with false teachers and is in imminent danger of division. Because that's what false teaching does. And Paul is writing the letter to the church in Ephesus to strongly encourage them towards unity and so fulfill the duty that Christ has given them in making disciples. To be built up in him, how? With increasing spiritual unity and spiritual maturity. If I could sum that up, here's why Paul's writing the letter. He's saying, loved ones, you need to be intentional about your discipleship. That sums up the letter to the Ephesians. Intentional in discipleship. And so look at verse 11 and 12. He starts it here. He says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. See, Paul starts by telling the church that Christ gave them their spiritual leaders. He gave them their spiritual leaders, their preachers, their teachers that would instruct, care for, and lead them faithfully through the word of God. And in this context, context is so key in how we read scripture, loved ones. Here's what Paul's talking about who these leaders are. In this context, we see he gave them apostles. Who are the apostles? Eyewitnesses to Christ's resurrection. These are the 12 disciples plus the Apostle Paul who had eyewitness to the resurrected Christ and were handpicked. Apostle means sent one. These are ones that Christ sent out to see the church established through the teaching of the word of God and to see it accompanied by the miracles, signs, and wonders that Christ gave them apostolic authority to do to confirm that the message was true and to see the church built. He's talking about 12 disciples and the Apostle Paul here. And who else did he give? The prophets. Who were the prophets? These were leaders raised up who spoke divine revelation to the church. You have to remember, back then, they didn't have the full canon of Scripture yet. They didn't have the closed canon, what we have now, which means everything that God has chosen to reveal to us through his word, he's done it here in the Bible. There is an extra biblical revelation coming. But you have to remember in the context of the Ephesian church, they didn't have the full canon of God's word. And so God would often raise up a leader to speak a thus saith the Lord to the church. To see them equipped and instructed in God's word. Now thus saith the Lord comes right here. 
Thirdly, who did he give? Evangelists. Leaders with specific gifting to proclaim the gospel. Now, don't be thinking for a second. You're like, well, does that mean I don't have to proclaim the gospel? We just had a message last week on courageous evangelism. What's all that about? Listen, every single person, if you're a follower of Christ, we are called to evangelize. However, you ever been around some of those people that just have that total gift for evangelism? They can literally just walk up to someone and be like, hey, you and I need to talk about Jesus. When's that going to happen? Right? We're all called to evangelize, but God has given specific gifts to certain people with evangelism to do that. And who else do we see he raised up? Just go to the text. He raised up shepherds. Who are these? Pastors or elders who teach, protect, and defend and lead the flock as under-shepherds to Christ. Christ is the chief shepherd of the church. The pastors, the elders, the overseers are the under-shepherds who bear his image and are in charge with the doctrine, discipline, and direction of the church. And then we see another leader raised up here. Teachers. Who are they? These are other leaders who taught scripture in the church and instructed the church to see it equipped for the work of ministry. And so the purpose for these leaders as to why God gave them to the church was to not do all the work of the church, but to equip the saints. Every, who's a saint? Every true Christian equipped. The word, Greek word for equipped there means to be trained, prepared, or to be made completely fit. To be trained and prepared for what? For the work of ministry. What's the work of ministry? Well, he tells us, go to the text given by Christ to see his body right here, the church built up in him through both, here's a disciple, increasing knowing and living out the truth of God through their service to one another in the church. That's why he gave them. That's why he gave spiritual leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I want you to notice two things from these verses. Number one, these roles you see right here, these are not the only roles in the church. You say, well, I'm not gifted as a pastor. Well, it doesn't mean you don't have a spiritual gift. He's talking specifically about leaders here. Okay? And so these aren't the only ones. There's lots of different gifts people need. Gifts of hospitality. Examine scripture. 1 Corinthians 12 is amazing. 1 Peter 4 is amazing. Ephesians 4 is amazing. As we talk about what these spiritual gifts are, examine scripture and see what's there. But the second thing we need to see is this. The work of ministry, did you catch that in these first two verses? The work of ministry is not just to be done by pastors and leaders, but by every single Christ follower in the church. How often have you heard this? Well, it's the pastor's job to make every single visit. It's the pastor's job to make sure that every area of sin in the church, look at the size of this church, like I how can you honestly know exactly what people are struggling with or what areas of sin are, are being exposed? The pastor has to do it. He has to be the one to peel the strawberries for the social and do this. and that. Like, You know what you have with that mentality is you have a burned out pastor. This is why 80%, according to latest statistics, loved ones, 80% of pastors who start in ministry don't finish in it because they burn out. Do not heap that expectation. to do the work of the ministry by every single Christ follower. Now, if you're a part of this church or there's some guests here, if you're part of another church, can I just exhort you in something? Christ has assigned you works in that church. Ephesians 2.10, he's given us good works to do. 
He's assigned you works to see it built up for his glory through your service in it. Do not fall into the trap of thinking this. Well, I'll just kind of hang back until they have a men's ministry, then I'll jump into that. I'll wait until there's some, you know, young adults ministry, and then I'll really jump in. Listen, if Christ has brought you to your church you're in, and it doesn't have those things, it's because he doesn't want you serving those things right now. Jump in. What opportunities has Christ already put in front of you? It's not waiting for the roles, but it's saying, this is the church God called me to. Here's the roles available. I'm jumping in to see the body built up because that's what Christ calls me to do, not sit on the sidelines. I love how Tony Merida put this um, commentator, and this is why this is so important we get this. He says this, the church will be enriched in worship and mission when everyone is serving. We're not talking about 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. He says, we'll be enriched when everyone is serving, when members give, when members serve in the various ministries, when they visit those in need, make meals for new parents, do life together. The body is edified, blessed, and built up. Every member, every saint should grow up and use a towel and not wear a bib. Think of that picture. Grab a towel. Stop consuming and being spoon-fed and doing nothing with it. Are we grabbing a towel or are we content to wear a bib? See, this is the purpose, loved ones, so clear. This is the purpose for which you are being equipped through the preaching of sound doctrine, through the teaching of God's word, through your small groups as you discuss this message this week and dive into small groups. It's not so you can just be getting fed, 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 fed. It's like, let's grab a towel with it and use it by the power of the gospel in our lives to see the church built up. This is why you're being equipped at prayer nights to learn how to pray for one another and call out to the Lord for the church. It's not just to know more, but that you will live it out more in his power. It's not so we'll just know more, but we see right here that it would be to live it out more. So question, a disciple of Christ works for Christ. Are you using your equipping? The equipping you're getting every Sunday, every week in smoke, every prayer. Are you using your equipping? You may say this, well, how do I do that? Like, I would like to do that, but what's even available? Like, what do I do? Well, here, here's some examples of some ministries in our church. Welcome ministry. Greedy people, I, I gotta say it, gotta say it. One of our parking lot attendants today, in the pouring rain, I said to our leadership team as we're praying before the service, we're looking at him outside, he's holding an umbrella, and the rain's coming down, and he's taking people from the church, giving them his umbrella, and walking, getting played. And he's, now I walked in after the baptisms, and his shoes are drying out over there because he's going back out there afterwards. You know what that is? I said to the leadership team, if Jesus isn't alive, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. That is a beautiful gospel demonstration right there. You before me. I'll dry my shoes so you don't have to. That's the beauty of the body, loved ones. That's body life. That's body training. Because as we train, we grow in spiritual maturity. This is the way God has designed it. 
There's a selflessness that comes. It's not about me anymore. You take the umbrella. Transfer that into your marriage. Transfer that with your kids. Transfer that with your neighbor. Beautiful. So there's welcome ministry, greeting, parking, ushering, Hope Kids. You saw them all up here. Isn't this a beautiful entrustment right here? This is just a snapshot of Hope Kids. There's more back there. (laughs) Right, right, right. But are we stepping in with a towel to say, I'll wash the kids' feet today. I'll go into the nursery and pray over that baby. I'll go jump and lead worship with those kids. How about set up teardown? I'll come in early at 6.30 in the morning to set this place up so that it can be filled for the glory of God. I'll come and drive the truck. I'll come and do this. This is the body being built up. Next, set up teardown. Audiovisual. I'll plug in the cord so you can hear the teaching of God's word every week and sing the worship of Christ as he is exalted. Next, what's the next one? Worship team, you'll be up here declaring the excellencies of him who sent us here. Next, tellering, I'll count the offering with the team. I'll be a man or woman of financial integrity to be able to do that. I'll step in. Or how about this, doing life together in small group. You know what, I'm afraid of gospel community. Listen, listen, just as no part of the body can survive if it's not connected to the human body, so you will not survive if you're not connected to the church. You and I were never meant to do life alone. God has designed it that way, and you can fight it, but God has designed it that way, and his word will prove true. And I want to give some clarity here, because there are so many people in this church who are like, you're doing some wonderful things for the gospel outside of the church, and that's amazing. Different parachurch ministries on campus or, or elsewhere in your neighborhood. I want to get some clarity. We're called to serve outside the church too. Coach the hockey team. Coach the base. Yes, praise the Lord. Gospel fragrance in the community. But here's the thing. We are not called to serve outside at the cost of serving in the church to see it built up as each person does their part. Notice in verse 12, the building up of the body. What's the body? The church of Christ. And you may say, well, I don't know what my gifts are. Can I tell you the number one way you can find out what your spiritual gifts are? Sure. Read God's word in those passages I said earlier. 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. Bring it on. Here's, an, here, here's hands down. Be humble and try something. Be humble and try something. Okay, I'm going to try out the nursery. Aren't they so cute? <laughs> yes, try the nursery out. You know, or I'm going to try out welcoming. I can shake a hand. I can put a connection card out. I can hand out a bike. Be humble and try something. Use a towel. Don't wear the bib anymore. A church of intentional disciple making equips the saints for the work of Christ. And as saints are equipped in using their gifts in the church, this is a stunning vision right here in these next four verses. As the church is serving in the gifts that they've been given, and it is equipped. Here's what happens. Last point for the day, it grows into the image of Christ, body maturity. Body training leads to body maturity. And the question we're confronted with by these last four verses that we need to have impressed in our hearts today is this. A disciple of Christ must mature in Christ. Is maturity my priority? Is maturity... See, you could have so easily said, well, is service my priority? No, no, no. Is, it ultimately comes back to the heart. 
is maturity my priority? Because serving is one of the primo avenues God's give us to grow in spiritual maturity. So is maturity my priority? See, Paul then tells the Ephesians church in these verses, the beautiful result that happens in the church, corporately and individually in the lives of believers, as they are faithfully equipped in the truth of God and are each serving in the church to see it built up. What happens? They grow in spiritual maturity and increasingly reflect the image of Christ to one another and to the world. And you say, well, what does that look like? Here. Glad you asked. Here's five traits of spiritual maturity that result when each part is working properly. Number one, body maturity. Trait number one, unity. We agree in the faith and the knowledge of Christ. Look at verse 13. Let's go to 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Here it is. Why do this? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God. The word unity there in the Greek means this. A God, this is beautiful. God produced oneness. I love that. Think about that. A God produced oneness as each person is using their gifts in the church. An agreement between believers of who Christ is and what he's done through the gospel. We are in unity on the truth of the gospel and of who Jesus is and what he's done. We are unified. This comes through the teaching of sound doctrine through the gospel, which says Jesus Christ was not just a man. He was fully God and fully man. And he came from heaven. He lived a perfect life for 33 years. Didn't sin one time. And his mission was to go to the cross for you and me and to pay the penalty for our sin that we deserved. And after taking the punishment and the wrath of God on himself, he died and rose again three days later, defeating sin and death for all time. And now offers the forgiveness of sin and eternal life in him to all who confess his name. That's the beautiful doctrine of the gospel. And we become unified in that as we grow in our knowledge of God through studying his word, through times of prayer, and increasing obedience to him and his power. We are unified in the truth of the gospel and its power in our lives. Stunning. And through it, here's the beautiful thing that happens through the gospel. Christ unifies our hearts and changes us to be more like him by his spirit at work in us. Unity. He says in Psalm 133, how good and pleasing it is when brothers dwell together in unity. For there the blessing of the Lord is commanded. So what does unity lead to? The second trait of maturity, measure. So if we are united in Christ, united in the truth of the gospel, not distorting it, look what happens. We grow in measure. We grow in the image of Christ. Keep reading 13. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. What? Until we're doing what? To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The term mature manhood just means a mature person. Okay? 
We're growing to the full stature increasingly in Christ. The word mature there means this, going through the necessary stages to reach the end goal. What's the end goal? Complete Christ-likeness. See, it says it right in the verse, full stature and measure of him. And as we are equipped through the teaching of God's word, through the sound doctrine of God's word, as we are equipped by that and increasingly grow in our knowledge of Christ and unified through it, we live it out by Christ's power and service to one another and Christ's image is increasingly perfected in us because here's the beautiful truth of sound doctrine. You think doctrine's like a snooze fest. It sounds so boring. Listen, sound doctrine's beautiful. Why? Because it's not just information, it leads to transformation. And here's the transformation. Sound doctrine leads to transformation to be like Christ. That parking lot attendant today, he showed me a beautiful picture of the gospel. And it grew me in my love for the Lord and for his church. That's what happens. I want to be more like Jesus because of one of our parking attendants today and Christ's work in him. Because too many times I'm keeping the umbrella on myself. And so Christ's goal, what's Christ's goal for this church? Why give the mission to make disciples? Because Christ's goal is a church that is completely like him, doctrinally and practically. Why? Because Christ is the standard for it. And although, loved ones, we are never going to reach full Christ like this on this side of eternity. Lord, that will come when we see Christ face to face in heaven and declare, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. That moment, we will be completely like him. But here's Christ's desire right now. You'll see it on the screen. Christ's desire is to have his church increasingly rich in gospel proclamation and gospel demonstration. That's the goal right here of Christ's church. Increasingly rich, increasingly faithful in gospel proclamation through the sound doctrine of his word and gospel demonstration as it transforms us to be more like him. And we increasingly see his righteousness, his holiness, his love for him, for others, his purity in our fight against sin, his mercy through his kindness and compassion to one another, through faith, through speaking truth and love to one another, through having wisdom in our decisions day by day. That's completely changing us to be more like Christ. How beautiful is it? Look at the stunning picture that Christ points to us in this verse of what his church is to be. How beautiful is it that the church is built up in him this way and we are increasingly unified in the truth as we serve together look at the beautiful picture of the church which ultimately is the picture of Christ himself so increasing unity leads to increasing measure and increasing measure what does it lead to increasing stability we stand firm on the word of Christ I love how God's a God of order he puts these right in order I love it we stand firm on the word of Christ. Look at verse 14. So to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. Why does Christ want us to mature this way? Look at 14. So that, kick back to verse 13. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. 
See, we are to grow in maturity so that we are no longer children. The word for children there, it means infants. So that we're no longer infants in our faith. Just kind of having an idea, but not grounded in it. Well, I heard this once, so this could be true. Maybe this could be true. No, 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 no. That's infant faith. And we are called to grow up so that we are no longer infants, immature in the faith, who are easily deceived by false teaching and led astray. Like, think about this, little children. Love them, love them so much. See them all up here. We have four boys. Love them. But here's the reality. The infants are very gullible. They will trust Someone who comes up to them and says, this is true, if they're convincing. Infants, children, are so gullible. And here's the other thing. Infants, they don't know how to think of another person. They're so focused on themselves. Feed me, change me, give me toys, do this. Sounds like grown-ups. He says, so that we leave the infantile stuff of the faith. Infants don't have discernment. They don't have maturity to know what you're telling me is false. What you're telling me is twisted gospel. What you're telling me is twisted truth. It is not founded on God's word. If you can't show me where it is here with the proper context behind that, I'm not going to listen to that. And likewise, if we're not growing in maturity through teaching and application of sound doctrine, it says we're tossed to and fro and carried off by anything that sounds convincing but can be ultimately false. Look at this. Here's the picture. A ship on sea. We're just tossed to and fro. Well, okay, Pastor Ray preached this, but then I heard this and tossed over. Well, I'm not reading God's word for myself, so my friend at school says, really? Can you really trust God? There I go again. Being tossed around, tossed around, tossed around. Because I'm not grounded. I'm not stable. I'm not growing in the maturity of Christ. I will be tossed. Here's the beautiful truth we need to understand. Sound doctrine never tosses you. It only anchors you. Sound doctrine, the teaching of God's word faithfully as God intended, will never toss you. It will always anchor you. And it's a detection against false teaching, human cunning, so you are not led astray. And as we grow in its knowledge and application in our lives, we increasingly are able to recognize what is false when you hear it. Mm, Test the spirits. That's not sounding right. That's not lining up. We can recognize it and then stand firm on the truth and not be led astray. Traits of maturity, body maturity, unity, we agree on the gospel Measure, we grow in the image of Christ together. Stability, we stand firm on the word of Christ together. Now look what it leads to next. Verse 15, speech. We speak the truth in the love of Christ. Look at verse 15. Rather, instead of being tossed, instead of being gullible, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. The truth, what's the truth there? Because we live in a world today that says truth is relative. Truth can be whatever you make it. So what is God saying truth actually is? Oh, here it is, uh, his word. And it refers to teaching the truth to those who would distort it verbally, 
by speaking false doctrine or false teaching, or they would distort it applicationally in their lives. Well, I can live with my partner because God's word's not so clear saying you can't live with your partner. Really? Careful, right there. Speaking, that's an opportunity. We need to speak the truth in love, loved ones. The maturity of the body is at stake. The Christ-likeness, the stability of the body is at stake. But, but notice this. Notice how we are to do this. Yet doing this with the love of Christ. What does the word love there mean? Again, we've twisted the meaning of this. Here's what love means. Agape is the term used here by Christ. And he says, speaking what the, God prefers into the life of another and how God prefers it to be spoken into the life of another. So what God prefers, his truth, and how he prefers it. Because here's, brothers and sisters, can, can I just say something? We look at events of this past week, and we see this all over the church, and it breaks my heart. We are not called to bludgeon people with the truth. We are not called to beat people down. Brothers and sisters in Christ, non-believers, we are called to speak the truth. Yes, not forsake the truth, but speak it in love in the way that God prefers us to speak it into the life of another. One that builds up. Ephesians 4.29, just keep reading. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up in the body that it may give grace to those who hear. We're not called, spouses, you are not called to bludgeon your spouse with the truth. You don't forsake it, but we are called to speak it in love. And so much of this is just like, because here's what we have to realize. Truth without love is just brutality. But love without truth is just hypocrisy. You are not truly loving that person if you are not speaking truth. And you let the sin go unchecked. And this is why, as a pastor, I don't know everything that's going on here. This is why it says, we, notice, the, notice the plural, we are to speak. Brothers and sisters speaking into each other's lives. Hey, that's not lining up with God's word. I love you. I want to come alongside to help you. But do you see where it's going in God's word? What do, you, what do you think about that? Can I come alongside you and help you with that? It's not, well, I'll wait for the pastor to get on it. What? Rather, body maturity says we are to speak the truth in love and not bludgeon each other with it, not condemn others with it, but speak it. And you say, well, I'm a truth person. You get to hear this a lot. Well, I'm just a truth person. That's who I am. And I, I'm a love person. That's who I am. I'm a grace person. I'm a truth. Listen, hey, if you're in Christ, guess what? You're a new person. Jesus Christ was full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace, full of truth, full of love. You know what that means? When 1 Peter, 3 said, 1 Peter 1 says, he has given us all we need for life and godliness, it means that power, full of grace, truth, and love, lives inside of you and me. The question is, Instead of bludgeoning that person with it, will you go to the Lord first and say, Jesus, help me to love this person right now as you do? Because you can say the right thing, the truth, the wrong way, and guess what? You're saying the wrong thing. God help us 
I don't ever want to be a church that beats each other down. Speak the truth. Speak it in love. Thoughts. And then we grow up in every way. What's the result? It says right here. We speak the truth in love. And what does it mean? We grow up in every way. Thoughts, motives, actions, emotions, words. Into Christ who is the head of the church. And who we must depend on to do this faithfully. Notice the whole body is dependent on the head. You and I can't do this on our own. This is why the gospel is so beautiful. Because you say, well, it's so hard for me. I'm, I'm such a truth person. Listen, listen. Christ will not command from you what he's not first willing to do in you. If you are saved in him, you've been given all you need for life and godliness, and so have I. The question is, will we call on him and take the step of obedience? And I just got thinking, you know, how much gossip in the church would be quenched if we did this? How much hurt and pain that we cause each other could be avoided? How much sin would be addressed because the stability of the body is at stake? How much truth would be upheld? How much unity would be restored? How much of Christ's image would be shown if we did this corporately and in our marriages and in our families, with our children, in our relationships, because here's the truth. This is a key mark of a church that is growing in spiritual maturity and one that's committed to intentional discipleship with one another. I love you too much to not speak the truth, but I love you so much I'm going to speak it in love. Lord, help us to love you more. Lord, help us to love you more. Lastly is this. Unity, body maturity, unity, measure, stability, last one, speech, and then service. We work together to build up in Christ. See, this is what happens. When we speak the truth in love together, service happens. We work together. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, that is Christ holding it, totally dependent on him, held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The word joined there, Paul takes us right back to where we started, full circle. The word joined there means fit together. Fit together. The body is fit together as each one does its part. Joint. That's who a joint is. Every one of you is a joint. If you're a follower of Christ here, you're a joint in the church. And you are called to fit together, to work properly. That means in the full measure or limit of your abilities in Christ. So that the body builds itself up in love. And here's that word again, love, agape. You know what that means? It's no longer just speaking what God prefers and how God prefers in the life of another. It's now serving how God prefers into the life of another. You before me. You take the umbrella. I'm not going to push my way ahead to service roles in the church. I'm going to be content right where I am and humble myself and give it my all for Jesus Christ. Because it's not about me, it's about him. And this is why, I say this to our service teams all the time, I'll say it again, it's never, when you have an opportunity to serve in the church, it's never, oh, well, I guess I have to go in and serve today. It's I get to serve. I'm growing in spiritual maturity. I'm growing in my love for the Lord and I'm helping others do the same. I'm doing my part. I'm working properly. I'm not out of joint. 
A disciple of Christ must mature in Christ. Question, last of the day, is maturity your priority? If so, what's your next step? And you say, well, I want to grow in Christ. And if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ, your first step is to be unified with Christ. You cannot be unified with his body if you're not unified with him through the gospel, saying, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I confess you as my Lord and Savior, believing the truth of the gospel. And if you have made that step, if you have made that decision, loved ones, and you're a follower of Christ here, hey, hey, what's your next step? Are you going to be growing? Do you need to grow in your knowledge of Christ through the word, making it a priority, through prayer, through obedience? What's that area of obedience in your life that you're like, God's been tapping me on the shoulder for that one. He's been pressing me. I got to do business with him now. I want to grow, body training, body maturity. I'm hearing the word. It's impacting me. I'm not going to sit there and do nothing. Are you, where do you need to grow in the image of Christ and the struggle with sin? You're like, that sin's been kicking my butt for too long. I am made new in Jesus Christ. I have been given the power over that, and I'm going to ask him for the power to walk out of that and fight the good fight of the faith. Three, are you standing firm on the word of Christ? Students, love you so much. Pray for you daily. Teachers in the classrooms, people in the workplaces, are you standing firm on the word of Christ in your homes? Do your homes reflect a home that is standing firm on the word, that is not compromising on it, even against opposition and when it's not popular? Are we, do you need to grow in speaking the truth in love to your brothers and sisters? Let's not make it a point to try to have our way all the time or try to be right all the time. Let's make Christ right through his word. This is right. Let's ditch the assumptions of other people and speak the truth in love. Question, are you serving in the church to build up the body of Christ? If you're not serving, hear the word of the Lord today, loved ones. Sign up for Discover Hope Step 2. It's right at the back. It's going on next Saturday. Sign up. Take your next step. If you've done Step 2, get an application. Fill it out. This church was not very long ago six people. Six people. And look what the Lord has done. But that means there's more joints, there's more equipping, there's more body to be built. Take your step. Be humble and try something. Because a church of intentional disciple-making will commit to equip for the work of Christ and grow in the image of Christ. What part is Christ calling you to take right now? Let's pray. Jesus Christ, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. And Jesus, I confess uh, this is a stunning picture of the beautiful church that you desire it to look like in you from you as its head. And God, forgive us when we are content to wear a bib instead of take a towel and serve one another. God, I pray you would mobilize this church. Start with me. Just start with me right now. Where do I need to step in that I'm not? Speak to us, Lord, that we would be mobilized to say, in Christ alone, here in the power of Christ, I will stand until he calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I will serve. Here in the power of Christ, I'm willing to give the umbrella over. I'm willing to give my time over. I'm willing to give my gifts over because of the power of Christ in me. 
pray this, Lord. Help us in Jesus' name.